I want to open up by saying that I'm humbled and honored to be here this morning. Woodland Hills has a reputation for being an outward-focused church. We've known many people that have come through this church before. My mom and my grandparents were friends with the Fews, um, Shockley and Dottie Few. Uh, and um, I, I'm sitting out here and I'm looking at some of my heroes. Dennis Cochran uh, is a big hero of mine. And uh, Paul and Barb, we've always, my wife and I have looked up to them. They're a little farther along in their walk and we've always admired them from afar. And even Ed over here, I don't know if you've ever seen him play volleyball, but the guy's crazy good at volleyball. <laughs> um, but um, you guys, uh, I don't feel adequate to be up here, but I'll tell you what, I'm excited for a chance to talk about what God is doing, who God is, and what he's doing in the world today. It is a big, big honor. Dr. Hislop, he taught me syntax. Um, so if my grammar is poor up here, everyone <laughs> can look over in his direction. No, he was an excellent teacher. And I just want to say, um, hearing Dennis share this morning uh, and, and seeing Dr. Hislop, I, I look at you guys, you and, and, Den, and Paul, the way that you are, the way that you think, some of the things even that you shared this morning, I heard you say years ago, and we use them on the field to great effect. And so I really appreciate your ministry. I'm here today partially because of the ministry of this church and the people that have poured into my life. So I really am honored to be here. I want to start out by um, showing a picture. Um, this is a picture that was, can you see it? Uh, this is my, I'm in North Africa here, uh, and we went there to uh, help Yemeni refugees, and I'm walking, and um, North Africa is during Ramadan, and I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a Muslim country during Ramadan, it's actually, I see Zoe nodding her head, it's in Turkish, it's Ramazan, they say, but in this country it's Ramadan, and um, there's, it's like a ghost town during the day, and there's nobody anywhere, and in this place it was about 100 degrees during the day, so there's a reason why people weren't there. But as the sun goes down, people come out of the woodwork, and it's this fun, happy atmosphere. It's also dangerous. We were mobbed in, <laughs> in this country, but it's a very fun, everybody's excited. Um, and so I was assuming as I was walking that being in a Muslim country during Ramadan, downtown, that the sidewalks would be a safe place to be. But I that assumption, and you see, my priorities were wrong. What was in front of my screen was what was my priority, instead of what, watching where I was going. And you see, one of the consequences: wrong priorities led to wrong actions, and there were going to be consequences to those actions. Every decision in life that we have is made based on a system of priorities that we have. For example, if I have a contentious discussion with my wife, uh, I have the choice. Is my flesh going to be the priority, or is God's way, the Spirit, going to be my priority? Uh, every decision that we have is a revelation of the priorities that we have. What I want to do today, this morning, is I want for us to have God's priorities. What is important to God? What is close to his heart? Because what is close to God's heart is, likewise, what should be close to our own hearts. Amen? 
I do a lot of preaching in Asia, and uh, whenever I, I say something, I hear amens, and there's feedback, and it's a, get a good feel. Um, here in America, the churches that I preach at are not, you don't get so feedback. <laughs> it's a little bit of a change, but um, so um, what I want to do is kind of refresh our Priorities. I know that looking, knowing this church, seeing your ministry, I know your ESL ministry that Joyce is doing such a good job with. Uh, I periodically, I'm in the teaching rotation. You guys are outward focused, and so it's not a matter of 180 degree changes. But sometimes we get a little bit off from like Peter. You know, the devil he likes distracting us. Peter was in the boat. He gets out, he's walking on water, he's focusing on the Lord, and as soon as he's distracted, that's when he falls down. And so today, we're trying to, um, to center our focus on the Lord Jesus. And the passage that we're going to do that with is Psalm chapter 67. The picture behind you is a picture from my band. We just recited it, uh, which I think was great, um, but this this image has a lot less scratches. That picture was taken when we were first married. Um, there's, it looks a little bit more grubby. Um, we're, my wife and I are coming up on our 20th anniversary in December. The 20th anniversary. And let me just tell you, if there's young people, find you a good wife. It is one of the joys of the Lord. And uh, it's been fun going through life with Joanna. And um, hopefully there will be 20 more after that. Psalm 67 was something that drew us together. This passion for God, the passion for his glory, the passion for the nations, redeeming those who he has called out of the nations. This is something that I want to be a part of. This is something that I wanted to be a part of, and I think it's something that I want now to be a part of. And I know that this church is in that boat as well. The Psalms are interesting to me because they teach us right thinking and they teach us right emotions, the way to feel in a correct way. And the gambit, if you look at the book of Psalms, you have people that are on the mountaintops rejoicing, God, you're amazing, we love you. There's times when we're reminded that God is our stronghold, our strong tower. There's times when, when the writers are in deep depression, and yet they turn around and understand that God is the one that's in control. He is the one. Um, they, it always turns around to God. So Psalms teach us right thinking and how to feel in a right way. So let's jump in. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The first thing that I want to point out about these verses is that it's not Psalm 67 at all. It's actually, I see some nods there. Maybe you caught that. How many caught that? Very good. Okay. Well, you have your Bible open. No, no you don't. No. Well done. Well done. Um, this is not... Um, Psalm 67 at all. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. It's actually, it's very similar to the first verse in the book of Psalms. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah. You see, the Numbers passage was something that God spoke to Moses 
to tell Aaron and his descendants, that means the priest that will come after him, it's a blessing for the nation of Israel. We can read in verse 22 and 23, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them. And then he pronounces the blessing. In Hebrew, um, but you see that there's a lot of similarities there. You see that this concept of God being gracious to us and the fact that the psalmist is asking for a blessing of the Lord, it, 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 um, it shows that the psalmist and the writer of these things uh, understands that God is a gracious God. It tells us something about God's character. He's asking for the blessing of the Lord in both cases and the blessing that he's asking for initially is for the face of God to shine upon us. This, this is not a phrase that we use all the time, uh, too often today. I don't say, Joanne, I'd like for your face to shine on me. I don't say that. Uh, but what it means is to be with God. He wants to be with God. That word in Hebrew is Panim, and 131 times in the Old Testament, that word is used to refer to the presence of someone. It's also the same in the Septuagint, in the Greek word, prosopon, right? You've been studying that. Um, it can mean face or presence. So the psalmist, what he's asking for is to be in the presence of God. He wants God's favor. He wants to be in the presence of God. It's the number one priority. He is the pearl of great price. If he, was, if he found a lantern like a popular movie these days and he rubbed the lantern and a genie were to come up and the genie were to say, I give you one wish. What is it that you want? The psalmist would say, I want the Lord. I want the Lord. I want to be with the Lord. I want to savor him. It reminds me of Psalm 42. As the deer pants for flowing streams, streams so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for you. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before the Lord? One of the things that I enjoy doing um, is I like the outdoors. I love the outdoors. This is something that Paul, I know, and Barb are fans of the outdoors. About a month ago, I went to the Appalachian Trail. I've been section hiking the city. And my buddy that I do this with, he was a missionary in Turkey that um, I... Many times I would go to Turkey, and then at the end of the trip, I would go and visit them. And we, we had all sorts of adventures. One time, we were almost killed by a bear. They, they have these Eurasian brown bears. But uh, we were hiking. He's now back in the States, and every several months, we go backpacking. And we were on this section of the Appalachian Trail. And when I'm with... When I backpack by myself, I like going slowly. I like enjoying things. My friend, he's like, we've got to get the miles. We've got to go. We've got to make 22 miles, 24, you know. And um, he's kind of a slave driver. But because of that, you want to have enough water, but you don't want to have too much water, right? Because water's heavy. And um, we get to this place, this, this um, saddle between two mountains. And um, what comes next, they call Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> And we know Jacob's ladder is something that um, Jacob had the vision and he saw, saw the ladder the, that went up to heaven. 
and the angels going up and coming down. And, um, and they called this part of the Appalachian Trail Jacob's Ladder for a reason because it goes way up. And I checked my water and I had just a little bit of water at the bottom. And I was so thirsty. I was so thirsty, but I thought, I need to save that. The next water place to get water was about three miles away. And the map said three miles, but when you get there, it may or may not have water. Some of the places had dried up. And so we're thinking, three miles, I'm out of water, I'm hiking up, it's 85 degrees, it's hot. And um, is there gonna be water at this spring? Or not, I don't know. And so we're hiking up. I run out of the water, and for we, oh man, it was so. I have never been so thirsty in my life. I have never been so thirsty in my life. But the, this is what the psalmist is talking about. In in Israel, it's dry. You know, one of the first things that you notice if you fly from the U.S. to Israel is that it's dry. Um, in Cyprus, where we lived when we went over to Israel, it looked just the same as as uh, as Cyprus. But um, but they understood thirst. They understood that, and the psalmist thirsted for the Lord. It was, he was the pearl of great price. Another thing I'm struck with when I look at this passage is um, the fact that the psalmist is asking to be in the presence of the Lord, and we know, we know that the psalmist was saying that um, based on the sacrificial system that the Lord had set up, right? We knew there had to be a blood sacrifice to cover the sins. Um, the psalmist didn't even know all that he was asking for. Later, he says, um, let your face shine on us. Later, he says that the, that the peoples will praise you. He, for that to happen, what you need is for the once and for all sacrifice. You need for Jesus Christ to come and die for our sins. And the psalmist, he, he at some level was praying for these things to happen. He had no idea. He was praying for the presence. He was praying for God's name to be glorified. And the way that God answers that prayer is through sending his son. And it's amazing to me. It reminds me of the Andrew Peterson song. There's a line, I don't know if you've heard of Andrew Peterson, wonderful musician. His lyrics are so deep. And uh, he wrote... And Father Abraham could not have dreamt of this. Remember, God made that promise to Abraham. He couldn't have even imagined how far and all of the things that the Lord would do. Father Abraham could not have dreamt of this, could never understand the end of all those promises, how all the pieces fit, every star and grain of sand. We are one of those grains of sand and is safely hid in Jesus' hand. A few years ago, I was in Beirut. Uh, we, we had a unique ministry. We were, we were centered in Cyprus, but we ended up starting a church of Asians. So we have ministry to this day. I train pastors in Nepal, uh, but a lot of ministry in India, Asia, or uh, Sri Lanka, Nepal. Um, I worked in the Middle East. Um, and so you'll hear stories in this sermon from different places. And we traveled a lot. <laughs> we, did, we did a lot. One time I was in Lebanon, um, that place when I was in North Africa, that picture when I almost fell into that hole, um, a young man from Yemen became a believer. And, um, and we took him to Cyprus and they kicked him out of Cyprus. And so we, we found a, a pastor in, Le in Lebanon to mentor him. So I went to Lebanon and we were walking. He, he would get depressed, you know. Um, when, a, when a person from a country like Yemen becomes a believer, you know, they're, they're signing off. Their family's going to turn against them. You know, they're lucky if they don't 
have their family try to kill them. Um, and he misses, and your whole support structure is gone in a way that we don't understand. We're individuals in America. We, we think, well, if I want to do that, I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody else says. But not a person from one of these cultures. The, your identity is from the group that you're in, in that culture. And so when he became a believer, he struggled. So we went to Lebanon to um, where he lived. He was plugged in. He was helping refugees. He was doing a great job in ministry. He would go. We actually went to the border um, with Syria, this place called the Becca Valley. There's these just many, many refugees that are there and they're renting, leasing land from farmers and it's just horrible living conditions. But he was there serving these people and we're walking in Beirut and um, as, as we walked, we started getting hungry. Um, in Beirut, the taxis, when they see an American, it's 30 US dollars no matter where you go. You know, it, it could be a mile away. They're going to charge you $30. And so I'm a cheapskate when I travel. And so we walked everywhere. He kept, he's a young man, this guy from Yemen. And, and he would say, no, are you sure? Are you sure you can handle this? Because he wanted to get a taxi. He didn't want to walk. But we're walking and we're talking and we get hungry. And um, one of the storekeepers, uh, a restaurant owner, he beckons us over. And, um, and so we walk over there. And, uh, you know, I look a lot different than most people in Beirut. And uh, so I say he sees money, dollars signs as soon as he sees me. So he calls us over and my, my friend from Yemen, he begins speaking in Arabic. Now they can tell where you're from based on your accent. It's even more defined. I mean, we can tell if someone's from the north or from the south here or from the UK. Well, they could tell, he could tell that he was from Yemen. And the man, um, as soon as our, my friend started speaking, the man, his face changed and he turned away like this. He put his back towards us. I mean, this is, in Yemen, they say, this is big shame, you know. Um, but that is a shameful thing. We don't act like that. Can you imagine speaking to someone and then just saying, I have nothing to do with you. It's total contempt putting on people. And we think that is so rude. But at some level, that's what we do with God. Adam and Eve were given everything in the garden except for the tree and God, to eat from. And God told them not to eat from that tree, not to be mean. It was because it was what's best for them. God loved them. He loves them. He loves us and he wants what's best for us. But Adam and Eve in all of their wisdom decided, I know better than you. And they turned their back to God. We all do that, and it creates the separation, the need for the Savior, the need for Jesus, the need. God sent his son down to us. Sometimes when people, I've been asked in the past few weeks, how do you know that God is real? And the thing that I say is because I've seen God transform people. I've seen him transform people. We hear the gospel. We hear about Jesus. We, we, we do every week the, the blood and the, um, the, the blood and the bread. And it's, it, we, we say it, we know it, we've heard it a thousand times, but the gospel is power. It is power to transform lives. And I've seen it in a way that I never thought possible. In Cyprus, we ministered to people. We did a number of things. I went over as an IT director and we did IT consulting work, but we started a Bible study in our home. And it was mainly people from Asia, from Nepal, Sri Lanka, and India, the northern part of India. And they would come to Cyprus. They would 
they would pay an agent 6,000 euros, which is more than you make in a year in those countries. They would pay an agent and then come to Cyprus and work as a maid for about a little more than $300 a month. So financially, it doesn't make any sense. It's a big racket. But they're coming to these places. And in Cyprus, it's not just Cyprus. It's all throughout the Middle East. You see people from the Philippines, Sri Lanka, Nepal, the airport in Doha, Qatar, like 90% of the workers are from Nepal. And um, uh, so they come to Cyprus and they're treated really poorly. They're, they're working 16-hour days. They don't get days off. If they do, it's one day a week just for a few hours. Some only get one day off a month. And they're physically abused. They're hit. They're, they're sexually abused. You have something, you know, out of 10, 8 or 9 have been abused at some level. And it's horrible. But the good thing is, guess who helps them? It's the Christians. The Christians help them. We, we help rescue these people out of these horrible situations. Their worldview says, if something bad happens to me, it's karma. I deserve it. I've done something in my past or a previous life. I deserve it. And so I just have to deal with it. But we would go to them and we would tell them, no, you are a child of God, the God who created the universe loves you so much that he sent his own son to die for you. For us, we've heard it a thousand times. For them, uh, it is a revolution. And we see people go, I mean, that, the change is amazing. It's amazing. And it happens like this. One young lady, uh, we, um, she, was, she was an alcoholic. She was into drugs and who knows what else. She went to the Larnaca Church. So I was the pastor of the church in Limassol, but regularly I would go preach in Larnaca, which is about a 45-minute drive. It's Kittim in the Old Testament. Um, and the prophecy against Tyre, it says, may the ships of Kittim come and destroy you. Kittim is, is Larnaca. So I would go there and um, I, would, um, I, I would preach. But one, of, um, one week one that I went there, there was this new girl there. And her story was that she had been involved in alcohol and drugs and she tried to kill herself. She ate poison and was in the hospital for over a week, almost died. Then she gets out of the hospital and slits her wrist, goes back into the hospital. And while she's there, one of the people from the Larnaca Church shared the gospel with her. Well, she became a believer. And normally with these people that we worked with, the thing that prevented them from going all in with the Lord was their family. You know, we are Hindu or we are Sikh or we are Buddhist. You and, and if they were to become a believer, if they were to get baptized, they're shown the door by their family. It's a horrible, horrible way that the devil keeps people out of the kingdom of God. But for this young lady, the family was excited. Even though it was, she became a Christian, they saw the dramatic change in her life. And even though they were Sikh, she, they were excited and they wanted her to get baptized. And so we took a trip. We have, there's five churches over in Israel. And um, one of the joys of my life is baptizing her in the Jordan River. She said that she wanted to get baptized in the Jordan River and her family celebrated her baptism. And I think that the Lord's not just working through her, I believe, going to come to know the Lord because of that dramatic change. But it is a revolution. So 
We, God be gracious to us and, and bless us and make his face shine upon us. These two passages, the first one in Numbers is one that they would have, every person that was listening, every person that was paying attention, um, that grew up in Israel would have had this blessing bestowed on them, right? They would have gone to synagogue. They would have heard this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the next part they would have known as well. They could have said it. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them and I will bless them. But this Psalm 67 passage says that your ways may be known on the earth among the nations. So I'm asking you, I'm looking at these, they're two different endings to this, basically the same idea. Um, which one is right? Well, they're both right. They're both scripture. They're both scripture. When you put them together, you get something that we know, we've heard before, the promise that God gave Abraham, the turning point in the Bible. Everything that comes after is God answering this promise that he gave to Abraham. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. I just want to point out a few things from this. I will make, I will bless, I will bless, I will curse. The, the big part, the first part of this blessing is for Abraham in particular. He will make him a great nation. He will bless him and make his name great so that he will be a blessing to others. But then the last part of this promise is to the nations in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. The blessing of Abraham, part of his blessing was that he was able to be a blessing to others. We've heard it's greater to give than receive, and it's true. And the, the, the God is flowing. The blessing of the Lord went to Abraham. It doesn't stop there. It's, there's no dam at the end that's preventing the water from going through. It should be open and flowing into the nations. So as the Jewish person that would read this psalm did, it's a similar thing to what Paul was talking about earlier when he was talking about pursuit. Pursuit was negative, 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 and then once, boop, he switched it to emphasize the meaning. Well, that's what the psalmist is doing here in Psalm chapter 67. If I say, Mary had a... I heard it, Zoe said it. Um, little lamb. Right, or if I say, I pledge allegiance to the flag... We all know what comes next, right? That's what's happening here. Everybody that heard the first part was thinking so that they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. But what God does in verse 2 is a switch. That your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations. Israel had been remembering the first part that they were going to be blessed, but they'd been leaving out the second part. They were ignoring. God is telling them, you're ignoring why I bless you. God's desire is that his way may be known on the earth, his saving power among the nations. And there's an amplification of this in the next few verses. This is 
this and it's not intended for you to read. This is Psalm 67. It's all of the verses of Psalm 67, verses one through seven. And um, I just want to point out one interesting structural feature that we have here in Psalm 67. Instead of rhyming sounds like we do, roses are red, violets are blue, they they um, rhyme ideas. And uh, the first and the last idea here is rhyme. It's A and A prime, right? So may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nation. It rhymes conceptually with verses six and seven. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us and the ends of the earth shall fear him. Then the next part, verses 3 and verses 5, are an amplification of this. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. So God, the, the psalmist wants to be blessed so that he can be a blessing to others. And then, so what happens? Praise is being offered to the Lord. It's a big circle. It, the Lord is blessing. We're blessing others. And then it's returned to the Lord and he is blessed. It's a big blessing circle. And the, the important thing in this type of structure, the middle verse is the focal point. The middle verse, everything that comes before, it supports it. And everyone that reads this psalm back then would understand that verse 4 is the focal point. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations on the earth. That is the focal point. And it should be for us as well. We have been blessed in this country in a way, in, in ways that no other country has been blessed. Financially is one way. We have a, a visa. We talked to, we, you have the little passports there. When we went, when I took a group to Israel from Asia, it was, we had to jump through so many hoops to get them a visa. I just show up and show them my passport. It's a blessing. Why do you think the Lord has blessed us in those ways? It's so that we can be a blessing to others. It's not so that we can hoard the blessings that the Lord has given to us. This is an image of, um, does anybody know what this is? Nobody. Well, you see them throughout. Well, this, this one was in Asia. It's at my friend's house um, right near the um, airport in Kathmandu. And it's actually their water purification system. And when I say pur purification, I use that phrase lightly. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not. Um, but what, what you do is you see on the left-hand side, there's a hose that goes up and it drips water in. And the water fills up in that bucket and then it overflows and then that one fills up and it overflows. And then it goes down into the big storage container, which is not entirely clean. I've, I've had water from that big that bucket. But fortunately for me, they boil the water before you drink it. Um, but I thought this was a, it's not a good, it's not an entirely relevant. By the way, do you see that there's a screen on there? They have monkeys there. And the monkeys, I mean, you got to watch out. In Kathmandu, there's a place that you can walk f f to from there that's uh, it's called a push potty. And, um, and if you're walking with your cell phone like this, the monkeys will snatch it and you will not get it back. So they put these screens on it to prevent the monkeys from getting in there um, and probably birds and other things. But, um, but I thought this was a good picture. Um, the Lord flows into us. We are meant to flow into others. And uh, the only thing that's missing from the metaphor is that 
that the response is praise to our, our God. So what happens if we ignore our calling? I, you know, some, there's many, I know this is an outwardly focused church, but um, one thing that I've read not too long ago was John Piper talking about this and how, how we, this is why we came into the kingdom. The Lord has brought us into the kingdom so that we can be a blessing to others. His passion is for his glory. His passions are for the nations to return praise like is clearly communicated in Psalm 67. And what happens if we ignore this? Well, we get sick. We get sick. And when I, I've recently come back, I came back last December from being overseas, and people often ask me, you know, what are some of the things that you know? What's the reverse culture shock? And one of the things is, you see, there in Cyprus, if there's a church, I mean, there's the Orthodox Church, and but if there's a church, there, there's no benefit outside of the benefits of being a Christian there. Um, and, but, um, so they're, they're real believers. Here, there's churches all over the place. There's, you know, and, it's, and some of them, it seems like they're like social clubs. Why do they go to churches for business? To have a place for their, where their, friend, their kids can have friends or something like that. It's not focused on the outward. It's focused on the inward. And guess what's happening to the churches where this is happening? They're dying. They're dying. They're sick and they're dying. For us to be a healthy, functioning body, we need to be outwardly focused. We need to be part of what God is doing in the world today, which is reaching the nations. I want to close today by bringing up the last verse. The last verse, if you look at it, it changes the tense. Lord, at the beginning it says, Lord, may you do this. Lord, may you do this. He's asking God um, to fulfill the promise that he's made. But here he switches really quickly. The earth has, yield, has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. Lord, we have been blessed. We have been blessed. We live in a place where you can have access to the Bible. You know, that's something that we heard about this morning. That's not, that's a blessing to have the Bible. And how many different versions? If you want to learn how to read biblical Greek, you can do it online now. You know, we have access to CIU, other places of higher learning. You have been blessed. You have been blessed. Why? Verse 7 tells us, God blesses us that the ends of the earth may fear him. That's why the Lord has blessed us. It's so the ends of the earth shall fear him. Amen? Amen. Let's uh, close in prayer. Lord, you are great and mighty and worthy to be praised. You are worthy. We love you. The reason that we are meeting together today is because we love you. We want to honor you. We want to sing your praises. And we want others to see how amazing you are. We want them to experience your saving power because you rule the nations rightly. You deserve all praise and all glory. And Father, I pray that you will help us be part of that. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for the blessings that you have given us. I pray that you will help us to use everything that we have, Lord. It's a battle. It's a fight. 
And we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of what you're doing. Use us, Lord Jesus. We pray today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.